Good morning, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church family. This morning is Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Our Savior who died a horrendous death is now alive. This idea that death separates us is something that is now no longer the truth. Jesus Christ proved through his resurrection from the grave that sin is now conquered, that death is now no longer dominant over us. We are no longer slaves to the power of death. We are no longer slaves to the grief that comes from it. We are now embracing the truth that Jesus Christ himself proves is that death is now conquered, which means that sin itself is now conquered because if death is now overcome, then the power that death has over us through sin is now wiped clean. Hallelujah. It's an amazing Sunday morning, isn't it? Good morning, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church family. My prayer for all of us this week is is that today of all days, Resurrection Sunday, would be a day that we take seriously, and we worship intentionally, please take this day and remember its importance. Please turn with me today to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our message today on Resurrection Sunday is to understand from God's Word why resurrection is so important It is not a concept that we just gloss over. It is the foundation of the gospel. And let's see what that looks like. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your 
sins. Pray with me. To God Almighty, we thank you for the boldness of your Apostle Paul as he reminds the Corinthian church that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation that we hold tightly to in the faith. Our sin had a high penalty. And your Son, Jesus Christ, paid that debt for us in His crucifixion on the cross. His human death shows that we, as human beings, are under the penalty of sin. His resurrection from the grave, Father, shows us that we are no longer bound by that sin. We are now liberated and free. And Lord, I thank you for that truth. And I pray, God, this morning that those who hear these words would hear the truth that their sin is now forgivable, that those who embrace the blood of Christ, who trust in Christ's death and resurrection for the payment of their sin, are now free from their sin. And God, I pray that you would love on them. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless them and remind them of your grace. Without the resurrection, Father, we have no hope. And so, God, I pray this morning, Resurrection Sunday morning, that you would respond with your grace and your mercy and your presence in each and every household, each and every family, each and every life. Lord, I pray that they would see the truth of your gospel. Help us to see the importance of the resurrection and what that means for our eternity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We looked last time on Good Friday at the weight of sin and death. Death is not something to be taken lightly. It is something that is painful. Death is a reality that we are still dealing with in this fallen world, and it is something that we painfully endure. And I think it is right so that we, that we do suffer loss and grief in the moment of death. If we did not have that emotion, if we did not have grief, then I think then our coldness would reflect the attitude of the pagan idea of death and not reflect the idea of the Christian truth about death. Jesus Christ did die, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 reminds us of the importance of that death and the resurrection. In order to be resurrected, it means that the one who comes alive must also be dead or at least among the dead. He died on the cross. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This truth that Christ died for our sins means that Christ died. It was not a figment of our imagination. It was not some fantasy or mythology. Jesus being fully God, but yes, also fully human, his humanity died and his spirit was released into death. But there was a purpose for that. According to the scriptures, he died for our sins. The penalty of sin is death. And Jesus died for our sins, even though he was sinless. And this is the primary principle of the gospel. This is the foundation of the truth of Jesus Christ and Christianity. This is why the church exists. It's because Jesus Christ himself 
died for our sins. But even greater than that, Jesus is so much different than all other religious leaders in human history. the, the, The truth of the Christian gospel is so much greater than all other religions who worship humanity rather than God. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, did not stay that way. He rose from the grave. He is alive even now. That's why we continue to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday the fact that Jesus is no longer in the grave. He is alive forevermore. Amen. But we have to understand what resurrection means in light of death. First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? This verse right here tells us exactly what Paul is doing. He must write against some false teachings that have come into the Corinthian church. It was a, a heresy that had been taught by false teachers that really kind of stems from a combination of pagan ideas of uh, of death and also some Hebrew traditions about death that Paul must correct here in light of the truth. He says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Who is he talking to here? He is talking primarily to the Sadducees who would have continued to teach from a false perspective of of the Mosaic law that all of life that God grants us is only here in this physical world. The Sadducees taught that God's created order was all that there was. There was no afterlife. The life that we have here was complete, and when it ended, then our existence, our essence as human beings ended as well. There was no continuation of our life after this life. And so as a result, the Sadducees could not embrace the truth that Jesus, who clearly died on the cross, we looked at that yesterday, Uh, On Friday, we looked at that in the last sermon on Good Friday. They preached and taught that this Jesus could not be raised from the dead. He could not be resurrected because there's no such thing as resurrection. Now, in contrast to the Sadducees, we have the Pharisees. And this is where Paul is coming from. But he's not teaching what the Pharisees taught. He's teaching the truth that resurrection does happen. Jesus himself in the Gospels pointed to the fact that resurrection was true, that resurrection would occur. And so Paul here is saying, and he's refuting the arguments, that if Jesus Christ was not resurrected, if he was still in the grave, then this faith that we have in Jesus Christ is in vain. Now, this is in contrast to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verse 2, where the writer of Ecclesiastes, the preacher, teaches that life is vanity, all is vanity. It is just a a whispering in the wind. We think that everything is important, but it'll be over, and before we know it, and it's not worth our effort. But here's the thing, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, and who is now raised from the dead is not in vain because it is true. It is the greatest truth of the gospel that we cannot ignore and that we must proclaim today. 
This is a day of family celebration. It is a day of remembering and building childhood memories of family gatherings and Easter egg hunts and dressing up in dresses and eating chocolate bunnies. But that's not what today is really about. It's about the fact that Jesus himself, the only human being ever in human history to come up out of that grave and to stay alive, Now, we have evidence throughout Scripture of many people who were raised from the dead. Jesus would raise people from the dead, Lazarus being the most prominent. But is Lazarus still alive with us today? No. Jesus himself is the only person in human history to have lived, to have died, and to have come up out of that grave, to have never returned. He is alive forevermore right now, sitting by the Father in heaven, and he is right here with us in spirit, and he's coming back soon. That's the beauty of this day. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then our faith is in vanity. Now, this idea of raising from the dead is something we have to make sure we understand. The pagan understanding of death at the time that Paul is writing and at the time of the earliest days of the church is such a strong influence here that Paul is trying to write against it to show that the truth of the gospel is not what you think it is in light of pagan ideas and thinking. The idea of death here is the idea of dead ones, the idea that when you uh, ended your life, you would go to a place of the underworld, and it was as if death, yes, death was awful because of the pain of separation from loved ones, but the afterlife, according to the pagans, really wasn't all that bad. It was almost as if you were just in this miserable dream. It was as if death was just merely this, we're just in an existence of shadows. For most souls in Greek understanding, life in the underworld was not particularly unpleasant. It was just a, it's almost like an, an, a, a floating feeling of darkness. That's really all it was. It was as if you were in a place barren of hope, yes. It was as if you were in a place without joy where eventually the dead would slowly fade into nothingness. In other words, annihilationism. That is another teaching that has crept into the church in recent years that really kind of borrows from this, but it was it's a distortion of the gospel that says that God loves us so much that he would not cause us to live in eternal, tempta- in eternal torment that we would eventually fade into nothingness. That's what the pagan Greeks would say and the Romans would say, and this is what Paul is writing against. You see, the the Greek mythology who's talked about death said that upon death, a soul was led by Hermes near the entrance of the underworld where a ferry awaited to carry the soul across the river. Now, once you came across the river, the boatman would demand payment. And unless you had money to pay the, the boatman, you would not enter into the Elysian fields or into the judgment afterwards. This is why in death's uh, traditions of ancient worlds, they would actually place a coin in the mouth of the dead corpse so that they would have payment for the, uh, for Hermes and for the ferry driver to carry one across the river. Even that some of that imagery, we still talk about that in, in our circles today in Christianity, but that is not what Paul is talking about here. He's saying there's a greater truth and Jesus overcomes all of this. Look here again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 12. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Here's the point. To be raised from the dead in this understanding is literally to be awakened from the status of death. This idea of being raised from the dead is the idea of being awakened, to stand up from the dead. Now, this idea of resurrection of the dead versus resurrection from the dead, that's the idea here between verses 12 and verses 13. You see, this idea of resurrection literally means standing up from the midst of corpses. So clearly this means that Jesus, if he was raised from the dead, this is that's what the idea of resurrection means. It is if Jesus stood up amongst the corpses and he said, no more, I'm done, I'm not one of you, I'm going back, I'm now, my job is now complete, my mission from the Father is now over. And he conquers the penalty of sin, which is death. Look here in verse 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verses 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. This is why the resurrection is so important. Because if we are still in our sins and we proclaim that Christ is raised from the dead and that we are Christians, we claim the name of Christ, if we are still in our sins, then we're lying. And Jesus Christ is not someone to embrace lying and deceit. If Jesus is the the true way to heaven, if Jesus is the true light, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, if Jesus is speaking the truth, if his life meant something, if his eternal existence right now as he is alive means something, it means that our sins are forgiven and we are no longer trapped by the penalty of sin, which is death. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to avoid death. Every one of us, there's going to be a point where our life stops. But the hope of the Christian is this, is just as Christ conquered death, we have the same hope. Our existence is not going to stop at the point of death. We are not going to fade into nothingness. Paul makes it real clear that if Christ has done it and we are in Christ, then we have the same hope of resurrection. We are now out of our sins. We are now free from that penalty. And the gospel that we preach is not in vain. I'm wondering if today you actually understand how powerful the message of the gospel is. How many of us are staying at home worrying and fretting about what tomorrow is going to bring? I know that's that's very much a possibility right now. I know every one of us are dealing with uncertainties. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But here's the one thing we do know, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is alive. We are free from our sins. And we don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings. That's the importance of this day. You see, the dead ones, the corpses that Jesus is no longer a part of, he is no longer in that realm. Dead ones are those who deny the physical resurrection of 
Jesus. They deny the physical resurrections of even the saints who have gone on before us. Those who are still dead in their sins have no hope of resurrection. So if we do not embrace the truth of this gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for us, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And in verse 4, we continue this truth, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. There are witnesses here that are mentioned throughout Scripture and throughout church history of those who witnessed that Jesus Christ, yes, they watched him die on that cross, a horrible, horrible death, but then they saw him alive, not just in an instant, not in a a dream or a vision, but they walked with him, they ate with him, they worked with him, they loved him, and they walked the earth together as Jesus was alive. He came up out of that grave. And because of that, we know that our sins can also be wiped away. That's the truth here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. But if if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all most people to be pitied. You see, hope in Christ is an eternal hope that is not limited to this life and this existence only. The lie of our secular world is that this life that we have, this existence that we are in, is all that there is. And when we are dead, we're dead. There's no more hope. But the life of the Christian, the one who embraces the true resurrection of Jesus Christ, knows that there is an eternal promise because if Jesus is now experiencing an eternal hope and an eternal life, so will we. That's the beauty of the gospel. The resurrection of the dead means that we are going to stand up amongst the corpses and we're going to walk away from it. Just like we stand up from the corpse and the depth and the death of sin, as Christians we walk away from that, so will our eternal hope be the same. Now, eternity is this idea of an eternal now, an ever-present now. It's as if it's in a moment, in an indivisible, eternal now. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, at the end, toward the end of this long chapter. Paul says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed." For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the truth here. 
that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus has risen from the grave, means that death has no more sting. You see, the truth of the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ, as his the truth of his resurrection, reminds us that the sting of death, which is sin, no longer has power over us who are in the faith. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what will this eternal hope look like for us? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. This idea of in a moment means in an indivisible eternal now. It means this idea of an instant transformation from this life to eternity. And once we go into eternity, the concept of time radically changes. It's as if we close our eyes, we wake up our eyes, and it's totally radically new. That begins with the changed life in Christ. The ones who have embraced the truth of the gospel, the ones who whose lives have been changed, not from what they have done, but from what Christ has done on the cross and the trust and the faith that one places in that truth is what changes us. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave to show us something new, and we experience the same thing in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So in order to understand what an eternal life looks like, we have to experience the freedom from sin now. How many of us are still dead in our sins? How many of us are still laying down with the corpses? Because those who are living in sin are actually dead. Those who are living in sin are actually corpses. The Christian does not live like a corpse. The Christian lives like a new living being, one who is alive and has energy and joy. Despite the circumstances, despite the suffering and despite the pain, Jesus Christ shows us what the coming of the kingdom looks like. Because it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 23, But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And Jesus Christ has taken that last enemy of death and placed it under his feet. Jesus now controls death because he resurrected from it. He awoke from it. He stood up and walked away from it. He walked out of it because he was dead. The only way that could happen is if Jesus himself was human. The only way that he could walk away from that death as was his divinity. And so we see the true nature of Christ here. We as Christians embrace that truth. We participate in that hope and in that promise. That's why today of all days is the single most important reminder to us in the Christian faith that this is the focus of our hope. It is the very core of our being 
that as Christians, we're not dead in sin anymore. That as Christians, we have an eternal hope. We, as Christians, when we bury our loved ones at the end of this life, we have hope that this is not the end, that there is a tomorrow, that eternity does exist, and that we will not only see our Savior Jesus Christ, that we will see our Father in heaven. We're also promised that we're going to see those who have fallen asleep before us, those saints who have fallen asleep before us, your loved ones who are Christians, who are in the faith, who have gone on before in death. We will see them in the eternal now. Wow. Why is this important, this day of Resurrection Sunday? The theologian Carl F.H. Henry says this, The resurrection of the crucified Jesus is the turning point of the New Testament narratives and at the heart of the Christian faith. He continues and says, The rise of the Christian movement can be adequately explained in only one way, that Jesus' followers personally saw the risen Lord and considered His resurrection from the tomb conclusive evidence that He was truly the Messiah of Old Testament promise. So that's what Paul refers to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as he gives the evidence and the witnesses beginning in verse 5 that as Jesus was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. 